Welcome to Closer to the Phenotype, a podcast where scientists discuss and debate new discoveries in published research with a focus on the use of metabolomics to drive multiomics forward. Each episode, we'll discuss a recent publication and dive into the research with a scientific expert or two. I'm your host, Bobby Wiggs. This week, we're joined by Dr. Brian Kepler, Director of Discovery and Translational Sciences at Metabolon. Brian, thank you for joining us today on Closer to the Phenotype. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, a paper in the Journal of Biotechnology. But before we get started with that, uh, give me just a brief introduction about yourself. Tell us about your experience at Metabolon and your background. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Uh, my name is Brian Kepler. I'm Director of Discovery and Translational Sciences at Metabolon. I've been with the company for about nine years. Uh, my bachelor's training was in chemistry, and then my doctoral training was in pharmaceutical sciences. And I also did a postdoc in the National Institute of Environmental Health Sciences, looking at chromatin remodeling as it relates to nuclear receptor mediated and cancer. That sounds like a pretty diverse and uh, really interesting set of experiences that you have. Brian, can you tell us a bit more about what you do specifically at Metabolon, who you work with, and how you help them with their research? Yeah, so I'm head of the commercial team, working mainly with pharmaceutical clients, uh, applied markets accounts, uh, meaning things like consumer goods, human health, animal health, nutrition, and also with biotechnology companies. Excellent. So today we're going to be discussing a 2020 paper out of the Journal of Biotechnology, called Coupling Metabolomics Analysis and DOE Optimization Strategy Towards Enhanced IBDV Production by Chicken Embryo Fibroblast DF1 Cells. That's by Lynn et al. Brian, that's a pretty complicated and long title. Can you break it down for the folks at home, what they're actually talking about and what the objective of this paper was? Yeah, basically the client was interested in learning how to, in a bioprocess setting, if you will, generate enough virus in uh, these chicken embryo fibroblast cells to produce a vaccine. And what they were looking for was to apply metabolomics and looking at biochemistry and metabolism and determine what they can do to optimize their culture media so that they can grow more cells and get a higher yield of virus to make the vaccine optimization as, as profitable as possible. And this disease, it's an infectious bursal disease uh, caused by a virus. It's very common in chickens. Um, it's maybe one of the most economically important diseases that affects commercially produced chickens worldwide. So their, their problem here, the underlying problem, was the production of vaccines. Is that correct? Correct. What, uh, what caused them to use metabolomics? Why, why were they picking metabolomics for this particular project? So metabolomics, specifically in cell culture, is highly applicable. Uh, if you imagine you have a cell, regardless of um, the cell type, it, whether you're looking at a chemically defined media or one that has may, may, maybe raw materials such as yeast elates, uh, you're looking at metabolites. That's, that's what's feeding your cells. So, and your cells are also producing metabolites and excreting those back into the media. So in cell culture background, metabolomics is basically the one of the best data outputs you can utilize in order to optimize things right you're you're asking cells whether or not you're you're growing an antibody or a biologic or or a molecule or in this case growing a virus you want to have things as efficient as possible 
you want to have the highest viable cell density. You want to decrease uh, the, the death of cells, increase viability, and you want to have a high titer, high productivity overall, high performance in general. So metabolomics can give insights into perhaps what biochemicals are being depleted that the cells still need, or what biochemicals are being produced maybe in an unwarranted fashion, uh, in an unneeded fashion that might even be detrimental to the cell culture. But how is that apical in this case where they're trying to infect the cells with a virus? Uh, if you consider the virus here, what's going on there? If you consider a virus, uh, in this case, an RNA genome, uh, and it's encased by a protein capsid, and it's going to cause a number of inflammatory effects in a host. All of these things can be surveyed by metabolomics on Metabolon's platform. So things like nucleotide metabolism, when the virus needs to replicate its genome, uh, protein metabolism, amino acid metabolism, when it replicates its capsid, uh, even looking at inflammatory markers when it causes detrimental uh, immune effects in the host. Now that makes sense to me. I can understand why you would do that. You're listening to Closer to the Phenotype. I'm your host, Bobby Wiggs, and today I'm joined by Brian Kepler. Brian, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in this metabolomics question with you. If you're looking at a vaccine, it would seem to me that you're only interested in proteomics. Why would somebody who's trying to look at a vaccine who should be interested in the proteins, what would cause them to want to use metabolomics? Why would somebody want to use metabolomics in this space? Right. And whereas proteomics is, is very applicable, proteomics can only take you so far. You know, metabolomics in the central dogma of things, DNA, RNA, protein, next comes metabolites. Metabolites being most uh, closely related to the phenotype. In addition, once a vaccine is made, for example, that needs to be put into clinical trials to determine its effect on the host. And how better to do that than looking at metabolomics, right? This vaccine is not going to change your DNA. It's not likely to change your transcripts or your proteins. It's likely to have a biological effect on the host. And those are going to be all manifested in terms of changes in biochemistry. So the metabolomics really does take me further than I could get with the proteomics in this case. Correct. And I'll give you another example. Um, let's say transcriptomics and proteomics tells you that a protein is expressed. However, is that protein active? Is it, is it taking a metabolic substrate and producing a metabolic product, right? So whereas proteomics can tell you if a protein is present, it may not tell you if it is doing its job. Interesting. So... In this case, they didn't just do metabolomics, right? They coupled this with a, a different sort of statistical method known as DOE? Correct, correct. So really it was the metabolomics that drove the decision-making for the DOE, right? So the, the DOE is a, a design of experiment. Uh, design of experiment, it's, it's basically a branch of applied statistics. It's a mathematical methodology focusing on using a scientific method for planning, conducting, analyzing, and interpreting data from controlled tests or experiments. Um, and it was used to identify the additive components that were suitable for improving IBDV proliferation. So first off, looking at metabolomics to identify the metabolites that are maybe limiting, maybe uh, needed to be supplemented more, maybe to optimize this media. 
then taking that approach and saying, okay, these are our candidate biochemicals, which we can use to modify our media based on other factors such as um, is a supplement soluble? Is it is a supplement available to add to a media? Um, is, is, for example, glucose uptake, you know, glucose was uh, a major metabolite that was changed in infection versus non-infected. However, increasing glucose uptake was deemed complicated. Uh, for the same reason, lipids, adding lipids to a media and, and allowing for uptake is difficult. However, looking at some of the nucleotides and nucleosides and amino acids, those can readily be taken up into the media. And that was what was applied to the DOE methodology to give first an estimation on how they different combinations of supplementations of nucleosides and amino acids might lead to improvement, and then actually performing this DOE strategy and identifying a media that is rich enough and supportive enough to provide the performance that was desired. Excellent. So what did they really reach at conclusions here? Did they figure out how best to change their media? Uh, what, what was sort of their conclusion and, you know, how were they, how were they looking at this and what, what outcomes did they end up with? So by combining the metabolomics analysis with the design of experiment statistical strategy, it actually led them to the development of an optimized media capable of raising not only the viable cell density, but also increasing virus titer by over 20 fold. Uh, and that was the main objective. The objective was just like any client wanting to increase productivity of uh, a monoclonal, monoclonal antibody that they're producing for some therapeutic purpose, this one was producing a virus for vaccinology to produce a vaccine. So the main goal was to really optimize the media. What can we put in the media? What food can we provide to the cells that will allow them to produce beyond their capability at present? Excellent. So looking at this too, going through their methods, they use Metabolon's untargeted platform, their four-method untargeted platform that gives them a global metabolomics outcome. Why didn't they use a targeted method? You talked about glucose. Why, if I know that glucose is a driving factor in this upfront, if I, if I have this hypothesis and I just want to test that hypothesis, why don't I just go straight to the source, have a targeted assay for glucose and hit that hard? Right. So depending on a client's objective or the, the, the goal of a study, the targeted approach might be most appropriate. Uh, if a handful of metabolites is known um, and you want to put all your eggs in one basket, if you will, we do have <laughs> capabilities for fully targeted approaches under research use only or GCP. However, the beauty of the global is that it is broad enough and comprehensive enough that you're not only going to see the specific metabolites you're interested in, but you're going to see the downstream or upstream ramifications of changes in those metabolites that you're interested in. Changes in energetics in one pathway could alter anaplerosis and supplementation of energetics in another pathway. Um, changes in lipids uh, in lipolysis, for example, could change metabolism in free fatty acids or beta oxidation. So all these pathways in metabolism are very intricately balanced and, and interrelated. Perturbation in one can lead to changes or alterations in another and, and compensatory 
um, reactions, if you will. So although it is common and often acceptable to do targeted assays uh, when you know what you're looking for and you maybe perhaps are just looking for a biomarker, really trying to understand something like a disease or the effects of a virus or how to improve culture growth, for example, you need to understand the balances between all the different pathways, not just carbohydrates and central carbon metabolism, but lipids, amino acids, cofactors, and vitamins. So by casting the wide net and using the global approach, you're able to see that comprehensive picture. And then once everything is understood at that level, then targeted assays are typically the next step. And you don't have all of your eggs in one basket, which is apropos. No pun intended. As a reminder, you're listening to Closer to the Phenotype. I'm your host, Bobby Wiggs, and today I'm joined by Brian Kepler. So shifting gears a bit, we're going to ask the 20 plus trillion dollar question here. What applicability does this have to human health? You know, this paper is really centered around a vaccine and chickens. And I'm curious as to what applicability this might have in human vaccine development, specifically as it relates to COVID-19. We're all asking these questions right now, and I'm hoping that you can shine some light on that for us, Brian. Yeah, so this study basically provides a strategy for the efficient production of a vaccine in chickens that could potentially be utilized to improve the production of other viral vaccines and biologics. So, you know, metabolomics, I can see being valuable in a number of different areas in terms of understanding infectious disease and viral infection from the beginning, such as uh, this, such as in vaccinology, uh, learning how to grow a virus to produce a vaccine. And the reasoning behind this one to identify a media that increases performance was to decrease time, thus increase uh, um, improving time to market and also decreasing cost. So get as much out of your, your batch of uh, virus growth as possible. The same will be true for COVID-19, right? We're uh, at a time crunch here, and um, it's always nice to save money on doing things. So if you can optimize things using metabolomics, all the better. Now, metabolomics is also applicable in, in virology and infectious disease in terms of identifying the effects of the virus on the host. Imagine analyzing samples from COVID-19 patients or patients with any sort of virus. Metabolon has experience with influenza, with hepatitis, um, within other infectious diseases that are bacterial, such as anthrax and uh, tuberculosis. So not just, I don't think metabolomics not only has applicability in this area in terms of optimizing a bioprocess to produce a vaccine, but also learning the effects of a viral infection on a host. And to take it further, to determine the safety and the efficacy of a vaccine in a host as well to determine is it being accepted well is it having adverse ramifications and you know metabolomics and metabolomics platform is capable of looking at changes in immune response and inflammation so if i was going to be doing covid-19 research i'd better be looking at the metabolomics because it might be saving me money it might be saving me time it might be speeding my, my process to market. 
I might be more successful. All the things that these folks were trying to accomplish in this paper might be true in COVID-19 research. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. You know, let's say doing metabolomic studies on human samples from COVID-19 patients, it can provide avenues to understand not only host response to the virus, not only to treat the infection, to lessen symptoms, identify predictive metabolite signatures, uh, degrees of sickness, and across various age groups as well. And different areas where we can help, aside from vaccine development, which this paper focuses on, uh, things like patient stratification. I mentioned efficacy of treatment, compliance even, um, maybe looking at different primary tissues of interest. Obviously, the lungs is highly applicable here with uh, in virology and with COVID-19. Uh, and one last area as well, the, the, the role of the microbiome in, in human metabolism, not only in the gut or the skin, but also in the lung. Uh, so the role of the microbiome in the disease onset and the progression of the disease in, in viral infection is something of importance to, to survey and interrogate and, and follow as well. And Metabolon's platform its library within the global platform is not only looking at mammalian metabolites, but also those metabolites that are bacterially related. So you're telling me that you can go beyond what I could do with my typical genomics research and my microbiome work, where I'm just trying to figure out who might be there and what's going on, that maybe, maybe I could get beyond that? Yeah, correct. As far as, as far as microbiome goes, it's the same sort of argument as I was talking about with proteins, you know, whereas the presence of a protein is important, uh, you know, the expression of a gene is important, but is it penetrant? The presence of a protein is important, but is it active? Same thing goes for microbiome. You know, do you have the right populations, uh, the, the correct alpha diversity uh, of a healthy individual in your microbiome? Maybe, maybe not. Even if you do, how active is that microbiome? How active are those bacteria? Are they, do they have the substrates available, the nutrients available in the diet to perform the normal healthy function, to generate key ingredients such as butyrate? Um, all these things come into play. Um, so metabolomics is not meant to supplant other omics. It's not meant to take the place of genomics or transcriptomics or proteomics. It actually marries very well with all of them. And we've actually at Metabolon done a number of studies overlaying different omics, genome-wide associated studies with, with genomics. And also we're engaged in a lot of work right now in terms of metagenomics uh, and looking at the correlations between metabolites and microbiome genomes. You know, Brian, the microbiome topic sounds like a really cool one to discuss in a future podcast. Maybe we can find a paper about uh, microbiome and metabolomics, and you and I can have a bit of discussion and debate in the future. Uh, I, I really appreciate you being here, and does that sound uh, good to you? Thanks, Bobby. Glad I could help. I'd uh, love to be part of another one. That's it for this week's episode of Closer to the Phenotype, brought to you by Metabolon, where scientists discuss and debate recent publications while illuminating the future of multiomics research. If you love the show, please rate us on iTunes so that we can continue to deliver amazing episodes. You can also visit our website, metabolon.com, to subscribe and never miss an episode. While there, check out our other resources like ebooks and webinars that expand on some of our more than 2,000 publications. You can also follow us on social media 
at LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have an idea for the show, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at podcast at metabolon.com. That's M-E-T-A-B-O-L-O-N.com. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Bobby Wiggs, inviting you to tune in next time. And I'd like to extend a special thank you to, to Chad Crouch for Algorithms, the intro and outro music. Thank you.